Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. There's this thing that women do, and it's not that we're doing it on purpose. I don't think we're like cognizant of it, but it's like we almost live in this fantasy. And if you're codependent, the fantasy is really big of once I get married, once I find that person, I'll be okay. Like I'll be set. So it's like I literally had a client the other day say to me, once I get engaged, like, I'll be fine. Like I won't have these worries anymore. And I'm like, Mm. no, no person place thing can, can fill your self-worth. Like that's, that's your work to do. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet you. Have some tequila and stay. First of all, squats and margaritas is like the best name for a podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I was always calculating calories and macros. And when I just calmed the F down, I found my physical ideal. Am I addicted to moderate drinking? You're very subtly admitting powerlessness and unmanageability. And I'm proud of you. That's beautiful. Did you struggle with actual eating disorders? Anorexia and bulimia. Um, Wow, thank you for saying that, Katie Couric. Nothing screws up a kid more than having a parent on top of that kid all the time. Kenya Moore. Before I take a shower, I would always step on scale. And I saw my daughter starting to do that. Like, she doesn't know how to even read the numbers, but she saw me doing it. Actress Melissa Joan Hart. I remember the first time I was told I could be a movie star if I lost 10 pounds when I weighed 103. Pinky Cole. Were you high when you came up with the name? I was very high. (laughs) This is Squats and Margaritas. Week on Squats and Margaritas, it's the hosts of the Love Fix podcast, Carla Roma, a dating and relationship coach, and Sherry Gaba, a licensed psychotherapist. Their 30-year age difference obviously brings two unique perspectives to relationships and dating. They talk about codependency, toxic relationships. If you've been listening for the last couple of months, I haven't shared it on my social media, but I am in the middle of a divorce. And I have a lot of questions. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode so you get an alert every time a new Squats and Margaritas drops. And please consider leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with the hosts of the Love Fix podcast, Carla Romo and Sherry Gappa. I want to start by just putting you guys in on this. I have not shared it on my social media, but I am in the middle of a divorce and I have two young kids. And we've been married for eight years together for 18. And I'm still kind of navigating what that looks like. I have a lot of questions for you, Sherry. Um, I know that you've been through a divorce. And I guess that was the uh, intention on getting you guys here today. But I want to start by both of you just giving a quick um, synopsis of your story with love, where you've been, where you are now. And we can start with Sherry. You know, as my book talks about in Love Smacked and our podcast, The Love Fix, I share a lot about multiple marriages. So I had um, the uh, issue of, in my recovery, of codependency and love addiction. So I was in love with love, and I had this great need that I needed to be in a relationship to feel whole. And I could say, that is not the case anymore. I've come a long way. You know, I'm going to have my moments, and I'm not in a relationship presently, but but I'm happy and I'm whole. And that's the most important thing. So I wasn't really feeling whole unless I was partnered up. And it was um, 
partly caused by my early trauma, being premature, being in an incubator, not getting my early attachment needs met. And my mom was not as present as probably she could have been. So I have some mother wounds. And that's kind of how it it started. And um, you got to work on this stuff. You got to work on it with a great trauma therapist to kind of release any of that um, abandonment stuff, any of that, those issues around emptiness, not feeling whole, not feeling worthy unless you're in a relationship and getting a really great trauma therapist. That's actually what I do now is really was the key in helping me grow. You know, I'm very similar in terms of Sherry in regards to my journey of codependency and being in codependent relationships. And I, you know, I always said it was from a very young age that I just didn't feel enough. I didn't feel lovable. Um, There was domestic violence in the household. My father was abusive. My parents divorced when I was really little. And so I always just had this messaging that like, I wasn't enough. And I, and I, in order to feel worthy or uh, feel like I could be loved, I needed to be in a relationship and I needed to fix people. And so I actually broke free from codependency in my early twenties. I was in an abusive relationship and I actually chose to leave that relationship. And as I always say, I saw two paths in front of me. It's one, choose the relationship with my myself and create this self-love journey or two, go after unhealthy, unavailable people. And so, uh, you know, from there, I actually have yet to be in a codependent relationship since. But in 2022, I ended an engagement. Um, I was with somebody for years and never really saw any red flags or anything like that. Um, at all in the relationship. And then at the very end, it happened very, very quickly. Uh, and I started to see red flags. And in the past, I used to abandon myself when I was in codependency. And I had always made a promise to myself that I would never abandon myself again if I saw red flags. And my gut was off. I always tell people, listen to your damn gut. Sherry and I talk about this all the time on the Love Fix podcast. And I just, I just thought this is something's off something is off. I'm going to lean into this. And, um, you know, from the red flags that I believe that I saw, uh, it was very clear to me that I was like, oh, this is not a relationship that, that I want to be in. This is not a marriage that I would electively choose to be in. There was infidelity on his part. And I just thought to myself, I was like, I don't want to keep doing this. I, I don't, I don't want this. I love myself too much. And I've done too much work around this. I have a choice. I can either be in an unhealthy relationship or I can choose to leave this engagement. It was the best fucking decision I ever made. Honestly, yes. it really was. And I, I took lots of time to heal. Um, I didn't date for a very long time. Uh, I went to therapy for it. I, I worked with a trauma specialist um, to work through it. And now I'm in a really awesome relationship today. You're glowing. Like I can tell. And it gives <laughs> me hope. Not that I'm looking for a relationship. Again, we're not even uh, divorced. To give you a little bit of background on me, I never use the word codependent, but now I'm starting to learn. I would say I always search for validation in relationships. Is that the same thing? Like I needed is- to feel... <clears throat> Okay. That is so, a trait. That is one of the traits. Oh, you're yes. feeling you need to be needed and needing that validation. For me, it was more like public validation. <clears throat> like I would attach myself to people who were shiny because I had no self-worth. And I was like, if I'm with him, then I'm shiny and it'll like rub off on me. So looking back, I mean, this is through a lot of therapy. I'm 41 now. In college, I dated like the star basketball player. I had no self-worth. He was cheating on me and I knew it. Like as much as it pains me to say now, 
Um, then my marriage was to an NFL linebacker who was in the height of his career when we started dating. Again, I didn't have my self-worth in check. I struggled with a lot of, uh, depression, multiple eating disorders. Mm -hmm. I was just coming out of my bulimia mess. When I meet him, he is sparkly and shiny. So I need to attach myself to him. And the initial draw now I see was because he was shiny, but I still love I don't know. What do you call him when you're in the middle? We're not divorced. He, I guess separated. You're separated. I love my separated man. (laughs) I don't want to say my husband. I don't want to say my ex. I guess my ex, um, Sherry, we need to get into it because we're we see each other a lot. I don't know if I need to be breaking free fully, but, but anyway, just for my background. So when he was in the public eye, I was just kind of on his arm and that was great because I felt validated because I was his girlfriend and then his wife. We had two kids and I never want to do anything except be a stay at home mom. I told him this, that is what he signed up for. And I understand where he's coming from there. Like I have a complete pivot and now I've evolved into a person that I know I'm supposed to be. I'm living in alignment with my purpose. And now I have a brand and a nonprofit foundation and I've written three books and I have a show and he's kind of like, like, what is this? You said you wanted to be a stay at home mom, which I did. But I've evolved and now stepping into who I really am, we're not a match anymore. And mm. the old me would have just stayed because he's shiny. And now that I have stepped into self-worth, I don't need to be attached to him. And I tried to make it work probably for two years too long because we have a five and a seven-year-old. And I filed for divorce in May. So it's been like five months. We've been separated since February. And now I'm trying to just navigate Yes. And now I'm on my own. We're co-parenting. So he's still in my life, probably more than he should be. Like when we go to my daughter's cheer practices, we sit together and then like, we'll sit and talk. And then I'm like, am I like muddying the waters and blurring the lines? Like, I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know he's not my person. I still want him in my life. Um, and not just as the co-parent, like I want to make sure he's good. And I, I realize like, doing that is probably extending the time that I will actually meet someone or that he will. And I don't know if that's healthy. And I'm sure each uh, circumstance is, it's like subjective. It's not, there's not one answer on how to do it, but that's kind of where I am right now, kind of navigating being single again, after 18 years with this man, I'm a single mom and that's where I am. (laughs) Well, you know, they say kids of divorce do so much better when there's healthy co-parenting. And so uh, the fact that you. you get you get together for uh, school events or open yeah. houses, all of that is really positive, and it's it's an activity related to your child, you know, your children. Yeah, I'm not a big um, ab- ab- advocate of like going to dinners or yeah. going to carnivals. I mean, I think it should just kind of be the things that are related to the kids that you both kind of need to be there. The point is always doing things together, like, oh, let's go on a family vacation when we're not really a family anymore. Yes. Like that's probably not what I would recommend because it's confusing for the kids. I mean, the kids need to know that um, you both love it, you love them, and but you're not a couple anymore. And that's kind of that's kind of important because then it kind of brings up, you know, expectations. Well, maybe mommy and daddy will get back together. Yeah, maybe we really still are a family, but then we're really not. Now mommy's dating. What's that? What's that about? You know, the other thing I just want to throw in there as well is that like you can teach them how to end a relationship in a healthy way and then they can take that and mimic it. Right. Versus like 
all this like dysfunction and they're, they're watching like you guys get yell at each other and go back and forth. And they see that as like, then they try to fix that in their relationships later on in life. They like go after people like that. Mm -hmm. Carla, I'm so glad you said that. That is, was the final straw for me. Like the toxicity in my household and what I was showing my daughter, because she's going to seek that out and be like, Oh no, this is fine. Um, this is marriage. This is what you do. This is love. And I was like, it was a final straw. I was like, I cannot model this for her. Um, Carly, you mentioned that your parents got divorced when you were younger. How was that on you? Well, because there was domestic violence, there was a lot of trauma for me when I was little. And so that's actually really what my codependency stemmed from. And as a result, like, you know, I, I just had those codependency characteristics. I didn't know anything different until I was an adult in my early, like really like a young adult, like 18 years old, 17 years old, when I really started going to therapy and doing work and then kind of taking that and extending it and growing through different relationships and realizing like, whoa, like this was not healthy. This was not normal. Like the abuse that was going on, you know, by my father. Um, and you know, my mom's done a really amazing job of taking care of herself and, and really like leading the way of that. I'll never forget. Um, she always told us that she, she went to our pediatrician when she was getting a divorce and she said, I don't know what to do. I've got, you know, these three young girls and, and I'm a single parent. And, and the pediatrician was like, they're going to do as well as you do. Mm-hmm. And I really would say that my mom is the one that started to like work on herself. And as a result, like I followed that. So I, love that. I really like, I mean, it's just, Sherry could probably say, and like back this, like it's basic psychology, but like, you know, you really mimic like what your parents do in that dynamic. So I came from a family where there was a lot of fighting, but they loved each other. So there was like these dichotomy of like, what? You love each other, but you're always bickering. Yeah. And so- I kept finding explosive relationships that kind of mimicked what I went through. And it was confusing because like, oh, one minute it's loving. And then the next minute, which is really what a toxic person is, a narcissist, whatever you want to call them, um, is the up and down, up and down. I found an addict, you know, anybody that could just like give me a little love, but then they take it away. Give me a little love, take it away. My parents were not that bad. They just were the bickersomes, you know, they just bickered. But um, I knew there was love. So it wasn't all bad. But I don't. But I don't know if it's healthy to. I, I don't think it's healthy to be fighting in front of kids all the time. I mean, it doesn't have to be a perfect home, but I think that fighting really affects children. It and they are thriving. I have to say, like I was putting it off. They're in two separate households where there isn't fighting, and. I'm just realizing talking this through with you, I'm almost like overcompensating and like, look at me and daddy at the cheer and like, look how well we're getting along and we love each other. It's confusing them. Like I didn't, I'm probably, they're like, what, what? And then we, we, are we going in with daddy? Are we going with you? Is daddy coming over here? Like I need to make it more of a, like, I need to just decide that it's like, I'm still holding on to it. I, yeah. I, and I will admit that. And boundaries. Teach your kids. <laughs> I was just going to say yeah, boundaries. Yeah. Go for it, Sherry. No, no, that's exactly right. You you got to set boundaries. Like what is, where, you know, where does, you, where do you stop and where does your husband begin? Where does he end? And you start, you know, it's got to, and it's not that kind of, you know, cut and dry. Like you just have to do a little more thinking about activities and things that are going on. And, you know, I don't think, you know, like your husband coming in the house and hanging out in the kitchen and waiting for the kids. I yeah. don't know. Is that healthy? Mm. I don't know. I need you to tell me. (laughs) I mean, I just think it keeps, you know, opening the boundaries, making them looser and looser and looser. I think it's better to be like, hi, and then go to the door, give them to the dad. And you just kind of make that positive exchange, but not like this whole social thing in the house where here we're family again. Oh no, he's taking us away. Now we're not a family. I mean, that's just my opinion, you know? Um, No, I love it. Yes. Okay. 
And it's not easy, you know, because you you probably are getting along better than you did when you were together, obviously. Exactly where I was going. Like, it's making me feel like we can make it, but it's because... More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. Our whole thing was resentment. He comes from a very conservative Southern upbringing where the mom does literally all the things and the dad doesn't. And so my husband is retired. So he truly has nothing on his plate. And I'm trying to balance the brand that I said I wasn't going to have, which I'm cognizant of with all the other household things. And I'm like, are you, can I get you something like, can like, help me. And I had have so much resentment that he wasn't doing anything. And we would end up, we're yelling at each other. Now that that's off the table, there's no resentment because it's either daddy's day or mommy's day. And we see each other. It's like, that was our issue. And we didn't go to therapy about resentment because that's a whole other thing. He won't. And I can't make him work on himself. So getting him out of the house, it's like, I enjoy being around him again, but I know I can't be in a relationship with him. And I feel like I'm living in alignment with exactly what I'm supposed to do. So if I'm going to continue doing that, he can't be my partner. Like I know that, but yeah, it sounds like, you know, he had these expectations and for sure, that's where the resentment came in. That expectations are pre, what is it? Preconceived expectations uh, are resentments waiting to happen. Resentments waiting to happen. I always forget that line, but, but that's kind of what it is. He just had this idea that you're going to be the little lady at home. Because I told him I would, Sherry, I saw, I said that. I have well, no idea. Change, but people I, I, yes. change. They grow, evolve. And, yeah. You don't have to be that just because you were, you know, 22 years old or whatever you yes. were. What, who do, what do we know at 24? I don't think we know the, much. <laughs> the other thing too is that like, you're I, I almost like I could be wrong, but I almost hear you like beating yourself up a little bit. You're taking so much ownership of like, well, I did say this. I did. But, like relationships evolve and grow and change. And you need to be in a relationship where both people are willing to do the work. Yes. And love is wanting to bring out the best in your partner. If, you know, if he knows that this makes you happy and it's not hurting anything else in the family, except maybe you won't be as perfect of a homemaker, possibly, Yes, you know, you might have to hire people or whatever, then that should be, you know, what he wants for you, I would think. Yeah, hundred percent. Can I ask, so your first, 
divorce. Were you 40? Were you around beginning of 40s? Oh, no, no. My first divorce, I was, well, no, my first divorce, I was 26. Oh, okay. I got married at 22. Okay. I was married four years. That's who I had my child with. That the, the two in the middle were these ridiculous four month and 10 month. Like they were like nothing, nothing, nothing. One was abusive and the other one was, you know, it just, it didn't work. He left and whatever. Okay. Um, I really was close. I was, I loved my fourth one probably the most, but he, he was an alcoholic. His alcoholism okay. started showing up after seven years. So it's just sad, but I also ch- chose who I chose. I mean, I chose unavailable men. I chose men that had really dysfunctional childhoods. That is one thing I really look at now is yes. what was your childhood like? Because if I look at every single one, they all had crazy moms. They, it, it's kind of unbelievable when they think about it. They were all, they all came from toxic families. And we are so. who we were raised by in our environments. And if you refuse to look at that and you're still carrying like shame from things that happen, you can't make the person look at it. I asked that Sherry, cause I, I feel like I, I don't know the numbers, but I feel like I would like to see the numbers of women that file for divorce in their early forties, because that's when you figure out who you are. And when I was 24, I didn't know who the hell I was. And then when you kind of come into who you are and you do have some boundaries and you're like, this doesn't really work for me anymore. Things that you put up with when you didn't really know who you were. And then you're like, it's the same person, but I have evolved and this doesn't work for me anymore. And I didn't know who I was at 24. I didn't bait and switch him. And I I said, I'm going to, you know, stay at home and then I'm going to do this. And you should evolve together. And if one person is evolving and I feel like that almost like triggers the other person and they get resentment that maybe they're not evolving at the same pace and they want to bring me back. And well, if you're out there in the world, that get, that takes some of his power away. You know, it, when you're doing your mm-hmm. own thing and you're meeting new people and having experiences, you're no longer just at home or you're not just at the PTA, that's threatening to some people, mm-hmm. especially yeah. narcissist, toxic people. They, they get threatened by you having a life. They want you down here so they can be up here. And by the way, speaking of 40s, when you get in your 50s, it really like changes because now you have a lot less estrogen and they're becoming needier. So that's when a lot of people also, that's a big population as well that gets divorced because they're like, I don't really need a guy anymore. Like I don't need them for the things I thought I needed them for. I think that's what happened. Well, here's the thing too, right? Like, right. Like I coach a lot of women who are in their 30s. Okay. Who have like successful careers are like genuinely just like at this point where they're like, okay, now I would like a partner. And I always say it's like the cherry on top of the Sunday. You are the Sunday. You are everything else. And if you're lactose intolerant, you can have a dairy-free one. Um, But you know, we got the whipped cream, this hot fudge, like you are whole, right? The cherry is just the nice, it's the nice part of the Sunday. It makes it look really pretty. Comes together. And you don't um, need it. You're good without it. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like there is such a push. And I hear this all the time with women in their 30s of like, my family's giving me pressure because I'm still single and my friends are all saying to me, my eggs are going to dry up and shrivel off and whatever. Like there's just like so much like shit women get. I I think at any age, right? Cause like probably in your twenties, you were like, good, I'm set for life now. Like I've, I've married the person. I don't have to worry about this anymore. There's this thing that women do. And it's not that we're doing it on purpose. I don't think we're like cognizant of it, but it's like, we almost, live in this fantasy. And if you're codependent, the fantasy is really big of once I get married, once I find that person, I'll be okay. Like I'll be set. So it's like, I literally had a client the other day say to me, once I get engaged, like I'll be fine. Like I won't have these worries anymore. And I'm like, Mm. no, 
no person, place, thing can can fill your self worth. Like that's that's your work to do. It starts with your self awareness and your self worth. And I feel like if you match up with someone before you get to that step, this is how I believe. Like you are putting out, you're exuding this like attraction of who you were. Like when I was 24, I was this like demure little, like on his arm, no self-confidence. I attracted the match for that. So now I hope coming into who I actually am and a confident, like accomplished woman who knows her worth, hopefully living this way, I will attract the match to that. I attracted the match to who I used to be. So it made sense that he was like, yeah, no confidence, stay at home woman. Like it's a match, but it's not anymore. And right. now hopefully right. I will attract the match for this. Yeah. Now just and, and and watch out for the guilt, like what Carla was saying earlier. Cause I do feel this undercurrent of guilt. Like yeah. oh, we're a broken home. I don't know if you came from a broken home. No, I didn't. No. Okay. And I did you're a hundred percent right on that. I do have a lot of guilt because my kids will be like, my son will be like, Mommy, I just want one house. And I'm like, don't cry, don't cry. I'm like, I know, bud. I said, mommy wants to be the best mommy that she can be. And daddy wants to be the best daddy that he can be. So we're still your mommy and daddy, but we're going to be in different houses. And he'll, he's five. He's, he'll like kind of let it go, but he'll be like, can we just, just, I just, mommy, I'm sorry, but I just want one house. Like he doesn't want to hurt me, but I'm like, I get it. But I was like, mommy wants one house too. I don't say that to him, but I could not take it anymore. It definitely sounds like a trauma response. He's triggered and he, and he, yeah, he doesn't want a lot of strength over him, a lot of control over him. He wants he wants to be, like I said, up here. And by the way, just plenty of women out there that would just love to be taken care of and but I told move right into the I mean, he he's not gonna have any problems. And I that's know. and and if that's what's best for him, then that's fine. You know, that's perfect. Okay. I think I'm just so it's so fresh, like 18 years and now we're like yeah, trials five is- months ago. This yeah. is massive. This is really huge. Like you're going through a massive life transition and loss. And you probably, maybe you still love him. I was just, I, this may be the wrong thing to say. I filed for divorce. I want it to be him. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm going to find my guy now that's going to respect mm-hmm. me. That I makes want it, it harder. To be him. It got to the point where it, it was so toxic that I was like, you have to go. But yeah, yeah. I know it's yeah. not him. And we, I believe that if we had Sherry, like a third party, to get in there and be like, right. this is what's happening. But the other thing too, I want to point out is that even if you went to couples therapy, it doesn't guarantee yeah, that you true. guys would have worked out. True. You're right. He doesn't want to go there. And I, yeah. I know we all carry shame. And for me, my life opened up when I released the shame of like all of my past, my bulimia was obviously like the biggest one. Like I can't think of a more shameful thing. And I carried it and I hadn't done the behaviors in 10 years when I wrote my book and I was just going to like help women and show them how I live now. And I was like, there was a little bit of the struggle and now I live like this. And a writing coach is like, can we like kind of get into, and I was like, oh no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to I just want to help women. And she pushed me and she was like, you need to tell your story or you're not going to have any credibility. And ladies, when I wrote it, even before I sent it back to her, like no other person had ever read it. I was lighter and like releasing the shame of that. Like you don't realize that you're still carrying something, even if it's not happening anymore. And anyone that's listening right now, I'll give you a hint. It's whatever you're thinking of right now, even if it's not happening, or even if it's something that happened to you in your past, you're still carrying it. And when you release it, the rest of your life starts. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, I have found the magic. 
And who would I be to not share that magic with you, my loyal Squats and Margaritas listeners? If you are looking for a little extra something, maybe you're going out with the girls tonight. Maybe you have a date with your husband. Maybe you have a big work event. Maybe you just want to look bomb while you're out on your daily walk. You need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift is a tightening clay that you just tap wherever you need it forehead, those little 11s between your eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes, my crow's feet. You tap it wherever you need it. You let it sit in four minutes and the results last for up to seven hours. Make Rejuvalift the first step in your beauty routine. Even before you put on makeup, I have tried it. I am obsessed. It is magic. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A-L-I-F-T beauty.com and use promo code margaritas. 20% off, free shipping. You're welcome. Now back to Squats and Margaritas. I opened up all these opportunities when I just released the shame of it. And it's like, I want to pull him out and for him to be able to get past these things and he won't do it. And so I continue to like evolve because I have done the work and it's frustrating that he won't. And and it looks like there's a bigger picture of communication issues. So Carla and I do a program called the love fix and people can check it out at the And and we have a whole module on communication and it just appears that like you have no say here. Like it's, he has to be right. You're wrong you're not safe. You know, and I know some other couples like that where you just don't feel safe. And so you're holding in your feelings, stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. And of course, now you feel free. Now, now everything is open and spacious inside of you to be more creative, to be, to be, to be everything that you're meant to be your highest self, right? Because now you're not like stuffing, stuffing. It's really very unhealthy to be with someone who always has to be right. And there's no dialogue and no communication. It reminds me of the politics today. If you're a Democrat or or Republican, you can't talk to each other, which is just not the way it used to be. Should be able to have a dialogue. I'm scared to say things. And I, like you said, it's stuffing things down and managing his emotions and how his reactions to things. Like I've gone on two trips recently with just me and my kids and people are like, you're happy. Like you're different. And I'm like, (laughs) my shoulders are down. Like I'm just, because when he's there, my shoulders are up and I'm like managing how he's going to react. And yep, it just feels like- The whole like walking on eggshells. Yes, I feel lighter. But on the same note, I feel like he is struggling. And there is a part of me that feels like I am putting him out from the family when I know that this is not him and he's struggling, but I can't make him get help and I can't live that way anymore. So that's where the guilt is coming from. And I'm you're like, not you're responsible. Up. You can't, you know, yeah. if you, if he was an alcoholic, I'll use the metaphor. You can't, they, we talk about, you can't cure, you can't control and you didn't cause these issues. I mean, this is for an alcoholic. Those I know, no, it's so it, it applies. But what about like vows? Like I vowed to love this person for better or worse. And I'm still in that kind of stuff. Like I signed up for whatever yeah. happened. But I think the other side of it too, right, is he also had his vows to like work through things and to uphold. It's not just you, right? It really takes two people to make a marriage work and make a marriage last. And if it was causing harm to the way that your daughter would pick partners in the future and her future, right? It's not just you and your husband anymore, right? It's your kids too. Like that is, that's part of the vows, right? Like working, like being able to demonstrate a healthy environment. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like okay, one thing I, di- I didn't mention is in two of those relationships in the middle, big issues around my daughter, like big ones. Just one of them wanted to control her eating because she had a little weight problem, which was like, no, that's it. That's why I only stayed four months. Because when Good he started job. dividing the refrigerator, like, well, this is for you and this is for me. He was a very abusive person, but I, my self-esteem was so low and I wanted more children and a lot of reasons I, I married him, which was a big mistake. But then I got out of it real fast because you start, you know, affecting my cub. That's that's oh, like yeah. a no. That's a no. And the same with the second one. The second one didn't like, like, if she cried, I should just let her cry, blah, blah, blah. Put, a, put his fist through a door. This is just not okay. Yeah. I didn't see these things. And the funny thing is that they were stepdads and they came off really loving and, oh, we're going to be a happy family. And well, it could be a real dad too. I'm not saying your husband does that stuff. No, 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 I got but, you. But it, can, it doesn't have to be a stepdad for there to be these like confusing things around the children. Yes. And I know this doesn't completely apply in your situation, Carla, because you didn't see red flags until much later on. But I know, Sherry, you say the red flags that you ignore in the beginning end up being the reasons you leave in the end. And true, I don't want to make this entire thing just about me. And I do know a handful of women who are dealing with narcissists right now. And I do want to get into that. You ha- You guys have a quiz, I know, but some of them are just some characteristics that you could kind of look at if you're dating somebody that is this, that you may be dealing with a narcissist. And one is, um, they're telling you that you're just too sensitive for what they're saying to it's you. They're putting it back on you. Uh, To add to that too, you would get that, like you're too sensitive, whatever. So then you're like, I'm, you know, then you start apologizing. I'm so sorry. Like I'm the one that's like at fault. I literally was just on a client call. I'm not kidding. And women can be narcissists too. And this was a man who was in an abusive relationship with a narcissist she had told him that he was a pathological liar. And then she went, he went to his therapist and was like, I think I'm a pathological liar. And the therapist was like, no, you're not. You are not a pathological liar. So narcissists will tell you anything to kind of deflect and to kind of put you down and make you feel crazy and believe that. Yeah. That's called gaslighting. And yes. uh, yeah, you, they say one thing, but their actions don't match. I mean, some, I have little lists that I always go through to go through whether or not somebody might be a narcissist. One of them is that you alternate your life for them. You you turn yourself into a pretzel because you're afraid if you don't, they're going to get mad or there's going to be a response or there's going to be moodiness, right? So if you had decided, okay, I'll just be a good little wife, that definitely would be a sign. I mean, that would not be healthy for you. Okay. Um, Walking on eggshells all the time, always just never knowing what you're going to get. I mean, that's that's a big one. Um, Feeling guilty for everything. Um, cause they're pointing the finger at you. So they're making you feel guilty. You also say they want you to think you'll never find somebody better than Well, them. they love bomb you in the beginning to suck you in. Like I had a guy a few years ago, I'm going to marry you on the first date. I mean, that's really like, that's not what dating is. Dating is yeah. slow and steady, getting to know somebody, um, not trying to get someone to be dependent upon you so that, uh, you won't leave them because deep down a narcissist has their own abandonment issues and they want you to stay. Yes. Well, I don't want you to leave. The- The other thing too, I really want to point out is really great times with this person because Mm. we always talk about the negatives, but like, there's a reason you're with somebody who is a narcissist, right? Like there's a, like, because there's some redeeming qualities about them. You guys had a great time or a good trip or, you know, they really cared for you at one point or whatever, but there's a cycle and uh, Sherry can probably go into this a little bit more around a trauma bond, but there's a cycle where you get into this like blowout fight, right? Like the narcissist is putting you down, telling you something, whatever, making you feel bad, telling you you're you're too sensitive or you find something that's sketchy and bring it up to them, confront them and they tear you apart. 
And then you start thinking, well, maybe I need to leave. Maybe this is over. And when right when you start doing that, they come back in and start love bombing you again, buying you things, saying sorry, how much they can't leave you, crying, like, you know, professing their love to you. And that cycle is what would keep going on and on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, manipulating, controlling behaviors, um, yelling and insulting, physical injuries, God forbid, disrespect. Mm. dishonesty, betrayal, lack. Biggest one is your own lack of self-care because you're so worried about what's going on with them that you give up all of your own stuff, your own, your sense of self, your core self, all the things you used to love to do, you stop doing because, you know, you're too focused on them. That, that's, that is what I think is a toxic relationship. And is it like if somebody's listening to this and is dealing with those situations in their relationship, if somebody is a narcissist, like it's, it can't work, or you can kind of work on it, or it's like, you need to get out. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now, back to squats and margaritas. Ooh, do we have different answers, Sherry? <laughs> like, if they notice these things, should they get out? Are they just like, he is, so we'll work on it, or he is, I need to leave? Well, if or you're dating, is. absolutely, I oh, believe yeah. okay. you dating. get out, because yes. there's no investment. If you have children, I think like what you said, you tried, you wanted to go to therapy, you did your best, and then you have to kind of let it go, because he just wasn't willing. You did your best. It isn't like one day you said you have to leave. You, yeah. you tried to work it out. You tried to encourage him to get support, to get couples support. Um, I, yeah. I always say when, when there's children, I mean, if there's physical abuse, you have to get out, of course. Right. Yeah. Of course. The, yeah. But the other thing, too, is that if there's physical abuse, it can actually be very dangerous to leave. So if you are actually going to leave, my suggestion would be get a therapist who's trained in domestic violence or a divorce um, like, coach you, or yeah, or, so, somebody who can help you come up with a plan to leave yeah. because a lot of, you know, these relationships are on or off again and that cycle will just prevail or they'll feel like they lost all control over you. And unfortunately, I really hate saying this, but it's true. People get murdered by their partners when they leave, and it's not talked about very often. Um, but it's so, more so you need a safety plan, a yes. definite safety yes. plan. Yes. You want to talk? You want to talk to a lawyer? You want to find out? You know, yeah. sometimes if you just walk out of the house with your kids, you have no choice. But then, then do, are you? Is it looked at as you're kidnapping your kids, or you're? Are you going to lose your house? I mean, these are all things that a lawyer can answer. Things that we don't really answer as therapists or coaches. Okay. Another thing I wanted to say is like, we talk about how there's this trauma bond where there's this up and down behavior that you get addicted to. And that's why partners generally don't leave because they're waiting for that next high. Another thing that might happen is you're out there in the world, you finally leave the person, you're doing great. And then suddenly you have a relapse, you meet another one. So I want people not to feel ashamed, I mean, or, or blamed. It, it's a constant recovery program of constantly working on yourself and going inward and really knowing what feels right. Because if you've been with one toxic partner, I can assure you, because I've done it many times, you are going to, even if you're doing, that's what I mean, even if you're doing great, yes, you can probably attract someone great. You also can still attract a narcissist because they're everywhere. Well, what are your tips there? Like, I'm not thinking about it this week, but like dating after a divorce or Carla, like you were about to get married and then you found a new relationship. I can't even like, how am I supposed to do that? Like, did you get on an app or like, what do yeah, you look for? I took how my you... time. I took my time. Like right. my old, be like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to like leave this and then get into a new relationship. No. I actually like traveled the world and like lived in Mexico city for five weeks and did some solo <laughs> travel in India. Like 
I just like went off and like did my thing. Like I was like, I'm good. And I went to therapy. Like I reconnected with friends. I, I moved to a new city. I bought a condo. Like all okay. of these things I just like recreated for myself in, in a way that I wanted. Like I wanted my life. Charlie had the healthiest year. I mean, I, 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 I mean, she, I, I tell everybody, I don't say it's Carla necessarily, but I mean, she dated different people. She didn't try to get, you know, with one person. She just kept saying, no, I'm going to date. I'm going to date. I mean, it's hard to date multiple people. It's really hard, but she did. I I can't even imagine. Good. Wow. Yeah, And she did so many things for herself. Um, You know, yeah. Carla. How did you date after divorce, Sherry? Or like, how do you make sure that you don't get in? Like, what did you look for? Or like, I don't know how to do this. I'm not doing it this week. I want to say it again, but just because I have you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I can't say I've had the skills that Carla has. I, I think Carla sees red flags a lot faster. It takes me a bit of a moment or two. So I was going to say uh, real quick, just write the red flags down. Like you don't mm. have to run, but if you see something that feels off or something's odd, don't justify it. Write it down in a journal and then come back to it later if it comes up again. And then you have documentation for yourself that you're not crazy. And that this is weird. So sorry, just want to no, throw I that like out that. there. Yes. You're like, um, excuse me, hold on one second. I'm driving. <laughs> I'll get home and, and reflect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. we're, a, we're a work in, in progress, you know? I mean, it's just how it is. You know, it depends on your, your the kind of work you're doing. Um, it's okay if you make a few mistakes. It's real important for me to say that. I mean, as great as Carla did this, you may not do it as great. And don't beat yourself up and don't feel guilty. Let's say you get in another relationship, Aaron, and it doesn't work out. I don't mm-hmm. want you to beat yourself up yeah. because of it. I got Maybe, you. you know, you saw things, but maybe you denied at that time. Maybe the next time you won't. Maybe you'll be, you know, diff- also different times in our lives were more vulnerable. I know that after my dad died, I was much more vulnerable to getting into something that, you know, I even, I took my ex back. He moved in. And I'm not proud of that, but I understand why I did it. I was going through a really hard time. The grief was just unbearable. My dad was like my rock. And so this is what I, I the choice I made. Did, of course, it didn't work out. He was an alcoholic and he was only, and he just didn't have recovery and he drank again. And then the good news is, as I've aged, I get rid of these, get rid of these things, like they're little things. No, I get, <laughs> I, I, I move on very fast. Wow. You know, like it may look like, oh, she's had a lot of short relationships. Yeah, because I'm not going to stick around for for what I don't really want. I'm not going to settle. I can't, you know, I'm just you know, not. I always say you want to you want to pick like the whole philosophy is like, I want to know, does he fit into my life? Not do I fit into his life? And mm-hmm. that's where I, that was my baseline of dating. How I know that I won't settle and I, I'm not settling by leaving this marriage here, but like, why do I still have this? Like I can get him to be that, like, so I won't have to settle. Should I just, I I can't fix him, but grief. grief. It's part of your grief. You're going, you're doing that. Like, is there still hope? Can I still make it work? You have to go through this to get to the, it's one of the five stages. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in like, not Linda invite him over face. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you might consider, you know, looking into codependent meetings or, you know, like we have a, how is it codependent? Explain that. Like, I feel bad. Because you keep wanting to change him because you keep wanting to change him. You keep wanting to fix him. You keep worrying about, you know, it sounds like you have a huge focus on him. I know you're focusing on yourself, but it sounds like there's a little bit over the top focus on him. And so that is codependency. Okay. I was, I guess the word I'm not dependent on it. I, I get no, it. No, no. Okay. Codependent doesn't no. mean dependent. That's what I kept hearing. I am no, so happy no, with no, where no. my life has gone and I want him to thrive. And yeah. I know that this is not 
I've been with him for 18 years. Like I know who he is and this is not it. So it's like who he's displaying is not who he is. That sucks, but I can't, what can I do? Well, my thought is what if he's both? What if he is really this amazing loving person that you originally married? And what if there's this other side of him that's really just not somebody you can stay married to? He is both. That's wow. Bam. (laughs) <laughs> got so that from me. I always say that. <laughs> Carla got that from me. <laughs> You're rubbing no, off. There's on always, co- there's copyright. always, yeah. No, there's always an and because we t- tend to like go black or white, all or nothing. But Carla's absolutely right. There are two. There, you know, he has both. So what and, do I do? If well, he has both, he has good and bad. So I go with the what? Which one? I mean, let me just <laughs> go with yourself. This. You go with yourself. Yeah. Codependency is trying to control, fix, manipulate, change someone to be what you want. And, you know, Carla always talks about how there is some manipulation too, because if I just get him to do this then he'll be exactly what I want and you don't have that power, you know, nobody has that power. Um, the biggest thing I think would help you work on is the codependency factor, but also the surrendering and acceptance and letting go. Yes. You're, you know, there are stages of grief and you're having, you're kind of stuck at bargaining. There's yes. anger, depression, and then there's bargaining like, well, only and if yes. yes, we'll do this. And if only we'll do that. And then there's acceptance and letting go. And so, you know, trauma therapy might be helpful for you just kind of move the energy inside of what, because you might have a little trauma from the fighting that went on or the, the, the eggshells and all of that. You might, you might benefit from working with someone that can help you kind of move that trauma, getting that energy out. So you're even freer. Yes. And I did go through the, I, I was so much easier when I filed. I was like, you need to go here are the papers bye. like, it was fine. And then it was like, well, like he's now he's nice because there's no resentment and there's nothing to fight about. And I remember like how we used to be. Yes. I'm in that bargaining. Yeah, he also may be being nice because he wants you back. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, okay. <laughs> because some of the, the where I want to talk about narcissism and, and I have specific people that I want to hear this episode, they, it, it, they are getting love bombed and like, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. And I'm like, if my husband were to come back and be like, I'm going to change, I would be like, let's go. Like, how do you, I was like, how do you not go? And they're, he's, they're like, cause he just says it. And it's a cycle. I'm not in that. And he's not saying he wants to come back. It's like, yeah. we're just it, yep. For a minute, I was like, we are showing the world that like divorce can be like, it can look like this and we can sit together at cheer. And my kids can see two happy parents that are both there for him. I, I, I didn't want my son at soccer to be like coming off the field and not know if he should go to mommy or daddy. Oh so no, like, that's healthy. That's very healthy. I think that's, but, that's I, awesome. but I didn't think of how I'm confusing them probably too. Well, not, I don't think activities like that is confusing. I think having them come over pretending, for Yeah. Or coming over to have, yes. Step. Or let's go, let's go do the zoo today. All of us, one big happy family, like that kind of stuff. But I think sharing open houses or sports or God, my ex-husband came out every year for my dance recital and we all sat together. We, and we did go out to dinner after, cause that's just what you do after a recital, right? You just, okay. you're all, and I don't think that was once a year. Like, I don't really think that gave my daughter any mixed messages. Um, and, but it was good for her to know that we could all, we could be together and not be fighting. Okay. Well, we've got that. I feel like I made this completely. I had a session. I hope that somebody gets. You had a session. There we go. Somebody gets something out of listening to my session. You hit the nail on the head. I'm just in a stage. Like it was, I was sure about it. And now I'm just in a stage. I need to get to the acceptance. Um, Anybody else? I know it's just so weird in this. I can name like 10 people that I know of, like my theory in their early forties that have recently filed for divorce and are kind of just like, don't know what to do next. And I, I feel like I know the answer. And it's more like what Carla said, you need to focus on you. 
hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. This is that beautiful. Is, that is the first step. Awareness. Awareness and you and focusing on yourself. And the main reason people stay in relationships is they have a lack of connection to their own self and self-love. So once you are connected to yourself and you love who you are, you don't feel that need to be in a relationship or be dependent on a relationship. It's not even love just yourself. love. Some people can't even, like myself, I couldn't even be present with myself. I would do anything to fill that hole. Yeah. You know, just like alcoholics fill themselves up with alcohol. I would fill myself up with relationships yep. and, and drama. So once, so it's more than just, I love myself. Oh, I have self-esteem. That's all great. <laughs> <Yeah>. Self-love. <laughs> awesome. But you also have to be able to be present within yourself and not feel like you have to grasp something to make yeah. yourself feel good. Yeah. Beautiful. And if people want more from you, where can they find you guys? You can go to thelovefix.com. That's thelovefix.com. Uh, you can also check us out. We Our podcast is out everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, I don't know, everywhere else uh, that, that, that there's podcasts out there. And then we're also on Instagram at the Love Fix Podcast. Yes. And the podcast is so good. And you guys have like free resources, like quizzes you can take. Yes, your- we do. We actually have our My Relationships Healthy quiz and it comes with a workbook. So yeah. not only do you get results, but you also can start moving forward out of unhealthy relationships. This has been fabulous. Thank you for my session. Let me know your Venmo so I can pay for it. <laughs> and I hope a lot of people get a lot out of this. Uh, you're you're awesome. awesome. Thanks Thank for you having us. for having us. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.